Hi, my name is Suzanne and I'm your host for Crosstalk, the IEEE EMC Society podcast. Here is about the noise. The podcast to discuss interesting topics on electromagnetic compatibility to our technical community. In this special issue, focusing on the 2020 IEEE International Symposium on Electromagnetic Compatibility and Signal and Power Integrity, held in person from August 1 through 5 in Spokane, we will talk with keynote speaker Brian Kent. Welcome, Brian, and thank you for your time being my guest in this podcast episode, talking a little about the background of your keynote presentation, Return to Flight, Electromagnetic Measurements, the NASA Shuttle Ascent Debris Radar System. Hello, my name is Brian Kent, and I will be the keynote speaker at the upcoming IEEE EMC Symposium in Spokane, Washington. I'd like to give you a little bit of my background before I introduce the topic that I'm going to speak about at the conference. Uh, I'm a lifelong electrical engineer. I've been working in radio frequency measurement technologies, including antenna, radar signature testing, and system-wide EMI EMC vulnerabilities for practically my entire career. Uh, more so in the antenna and radar cross-section, but I got quite involved with the EMI EMC as part of the shuttle project that you'll be hearing about shortly. Um, Work-wise, I um, served seven years for a company called Applied Research. That's my most recent assignment. I was chief scientist for their RF sensing radar and electronic warfare. Prior to that, I spent 37 years uh, with the United States Air Force um, in, as a senior technical specialist in uh, radar measurement technologies uh, and served in my end assignments as the uh, Air Force Research Laboratory Sensors Director and Chief Scientist. And I also was the Chief Technology Officer at AFRL prior to my retirement in 2014 from the service. My undergraduate degree is from Michigan State University, so I'm a Spartan. Um, and uh, I was an NSF fellow and got my master's and PhD um, in the graduate program at The Ohio State University in Columbus. Uh, I've been involved in a number of thematic things that are really going to be tied together by this talk, including national efforts to establish quality sensors for RF measurements. Um, and I was a member of the uh, technical staff of the Columbia Accident Investigation, which is exactly how I got involved with this particular project. Ultimately serving five years, uh, co-serving with NASA for five years on the return of flight program. And I actually worked four shuttle missions, the return of flight mission 114, as well as 121, 117, and 118. So um, my keynote talk is going to be titled uh, the return of flight electromagnetic measurements, the NASA shuttle ascent debris radar system. So what is that all about? And before I can even tell you what that is all about, I do want to introduce two thoughts. The first is that the work that I'm going to describe to you uh, came about from the efforts of hundreds of engineers working over 10 organizations in the five and a half years I worked on this program. May way too many to thank individually, but there are a few standouts. And uh, one individual was named Steve Rickman. Uh, he actually was my point of contact on the Columbia accident investigation when we were asked to try to help find the root cause of why Columbia broke up when it re-entered orbit on the 1st of February, 2003. Uh, I was at my Saturday morning panel lesson that day. I remember it like yesterday, but I had nothing to do with NASA at that point. I went home like everyone else, watched the television, was horrified at what happened. And 12 days later, I got a call becoming appointed to the Columbia Accident Investigation Board, which actually started me down this particular journey. The first five months of my activities involved helping NASA reinforce what was the root cause of the Columbia 
uh, failure itself. And for those of you that are somewhat familiar or maybe not familiar at all with that uh, accident and its root cause, essentially a piece of foam or a scent debris came off of the external tank. It struck the very vulnerable leading edge that protected the heat, the heat uh, system that protected the leading edge of the shuttle and damaged it during the ascent phase when it went up into orbit. Nobody knew about this at the time, but it left uh, what was about a 10 to 12 inch hole on one side of the vehicle. Uh, leading edge that could not be seen from the cockpit, could not be seen by the ground. And when the shuttle re-entered, uh, uh, the plasma went through that heat treatment into the wing and it, uh, basically melted through the wing and caused the vehicle to break up. So essentially the root cause of the Columbia accident was the fact that ascent debris came off during the ascent phase of the, of the launch and damaged the vehicle. The whole return to flight activity then focused on two primary uh, items, with, at least in the area that I work in. The first was uh, NASA essentially wanted to go over and, and revisit any kind of items that ever came off of a shuttle during a launch, and they kept meticulous records. And so in the words of the chief engineer at the time, uh, Mr. John Meritor, they declared war on debris, which they looked at every possible source of anything that could possibly come off the vehicle during the ascent phase in the space and they tried to redesign it so that that would not happen. However, the parallel effort was to produce a series of sensors that would detect ascent debris, detect whether or not that debris was actually striking the vehicle and potentially doing damage so that they could assess while they were still in space, whether or not the vehicle was safe to land after it had gone into orbit. And that's where the, the NASA debris radar came into play. Our particular technology was paired up with the upgraded camera systems that the optical uh, side of the house was working on. And the idea was that while optical cameras have terrific ability to capture events, um, high speed, high resolution cameras do not do a great job of determining velocities. And so therefore, they determined that radar needed to supplement that effort. And that's where our team came into play. So essentially what happened was that we embarked after the investigation was over into a crash program to develop ascent debris radar so we could get the shuttle flying as quickly as possible um, uh, and as safely as possible. And that was an extremely broad interagency efforts. Um, it involved the United States Navy who provided a lot of the radar technology. Um, it provided uh, some ex experts from the National Center for Atmospheric Research, which provided atmospheric models on everything from ice particulate forming around the debris elements when the uh, shuttle was being launched um, to any number of uh, different aspects having to do with tracking debris fragments. But the most important effort was we had to determine what things had commonly come off the vehicle. We had to determine their radar signature, something called the radar cross-section, and we also have to determine the ballistic coefficients. These are qualities that essentially say uh, for a given amount of material of driven content, if that comes off the shuttle, it's going to have, it's going to slow down from the drag of the atmosphere in such a way it's going to be slower than the vehicle is, and therefore there's a relative velocity difference between the debris element and the actual shuttle and you had to calculate the kinetic energy of any impact, and therefore you needed to know what that ballistic coefficient was. So essentially, uh, that was the, the core of the effort. And so what our talk will be all about is how we step by step determine which frequencies were really the best frequencies 
to execute this debris mission on, what um, locations for the radars were best to make sure that we got good coverage for the eight minute powered flight from uh, uh, NASA's uh, launch pad down in the Kennedy Space Center up until the ISS orbit, which is an inclination of 71 degrees. Um, and also uh, we had to have, have the ability to assess a mountain of data, many, many terabytes of this data in a short period of time to let mission managers know within 24 hours of launch uh, of a total safety analysis based on any events that we saw. So uh, what really made the radar aspect critical to the overall return to flight program was that the main reason they wanted to return the shuttle to flight was to complete the International Space Station, which was only about half complete after Columbia um, uh, was destroyed on reentry. In order for us to finish the ISS on any kind of schedule, that meant that we had to be able to launch during daytime alignment missions and missions where uh, the launch had to occur at night. And nighttime provided a particularly difficult environment for the camera people because you had a very bright plume and a dark black sky and the dynamic range didn't allow you, you to see the degree events nearly as well in the daytime, uh, at nighttime as, as daytime. And the radar had to work day or night. And that was the other element of it. So why was this whole thing critical to the space program itself? Well, I've already mentioned the completion of the ISS. It, uh, the shuttle carries 25,000 pounds of payload on every one of the flights, and it took something like 11 or 12 uh, dedicated additional flights to bring the heavy hardware up. Just to uh, you know, contrast that, the Dragon re resupply carries about 6,000 pounds of cargo. So, um, and uh, the, uh, the the Dragon module certainly can't bring, for instance, a 15 or 20 foot truss structure or a solar panel. That had to happen with the shuttle, so that's why it was essential. But shuttle was also used to keep the, at the time, the Hubble Space Telescope going as well. Uh, Hubble is still up there. It is still working and it's still working because uh, it had its third um, refurbishment mission at the tail end of the actual shuttle uh, lifetime itself, where they actually went up to the ISS and uh, completely changed out the camera systems, the reaction wheels and everything necessary to keep that going. And the science that has come out of the Hubble Space Telescope over the several decades it's been in service have, as everyone knows, have been nothing short of uh, spectacular. So, all right, so we've gone through the bother of, of creating this uh, NDR. Then we talked about how we assess the data, how we determine what threats are, and then how we report that to mission managers. And all of that will be covered in the keynote. Um, in terms of its future, uh, the, the, a permanent facility was created on Merritt Island down in Florida uh, for the NDR. It's on a permanent site now. The radar is actually uh, co-owned by NASA and the United States Navy because the U.S. Navy actually brought the radar technology into it. And it's also used to monitor uh, satellite insertion uh, missions for the military and civilian as well. Um, it's uh, kind of on an as-demand basis. But the, the radar itself, the ground-based radar itself, also has the capability, interesting enough, to, to detect specific debris in orbit. And actually, uh, the NDR was called for on one of the missions that we had just finished serving. We were just about ready to leave the site after a couple of days of doing the processing on a launch when we got a call where one of the spacewalkers had lost a big Nikon space qualified camera. Now that's, you know, seven, eight pounds of debris now that's close in orbit to the space station. 
and they couldn't find it. They didn't know where it was. The national debris uh, tracking system couldn't find that radar or couldn't find that um, camera, but we found it pretty quickly and determined that the orbit that the camera ended up in was not gonna be an intersection with the ISS again. So it wasn't a debris hazard. So in, in kind of a pretty short order, that's, that, that gives you a flavor for the talk and whatnot. Uh, there'll be plenty of interest there for the audience. Uh, if you have EMI, EMC, you're gonna be interested. If you wanna hear about radar scattering, you're gonna see some more uh, when you see, uh, when you want to hear about uh, the effect of plume on radar signature and a radar attenuation, you'll see some things on that. So it's a very interesting topic and one that uh, I think will be a lesson learned for the space and EMI community for many years to come. Brian, thank you so much for being my guest in this special episode and sharing your insight about the NDR. If you wish to learn more about Return to Flight EMC and the NASA Shuttle Ascent Depress radar system, visit Brian's keynote talk at the in-person symposium, in particular on Tuesday morning, August 2nd. For further information, please visit the website www.emc2022emcs.org. I thank you for listening and if you wish to learn more about EMC and get the latest input from science and the industry, stay tuned and sign up for Crosstalk. Hear us about the noise.